0: Hello and welcome to season five of Composer Quests. I'm Charlie McCarran, podcasting out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and this show is all about digging into the creative process of writing music. I talk with composers, songwriters, producers, and psychologists to help get inspiration and practical composing tips. This intro music you're hearing is from today's guest, blind film composer Stephen Lettness. Now you might be wondering, how does one compose for films as a blind person? Well, stick around to hear about how Stephen said screw you to his disability and became a prolific film composer in a short amount of time. I had to score...
1: And dialogue edit thirty short films in eleven
0: days. What? Yeah. (laughs) Stephen shares tips on working with directors and getting film scoring gigs. We also hear about how Yanni actually served as inspiration for Stephen's early compositions. I listened to all this, you know, Yanni,
1: Jim Brickman, garbage, BS, weak, sauce, piano (laughs) crap. It was just nothing but icing. You know, contrast is key. So a lot of my piano stuff was very aggressive because i was firing against this softness with no other dynamic layer other than metal piano
0: i'll listen more coming up now a moment to thank my patrons i have a shout out to my patron andy warren who makes atmospheric soul rock check it out at junglephysicians.com thanks andy Now my patron at the $3 per episode level, Spencer Sokol, gets a jingle.
2: If you need a calming tune If your thirst for guitar knows no reasonable end Spencer Sokol is your dude Indiana's finest singer. you're going to cry Cause you're feeling
0: Spencer, You can check out Spencer's music at spencersokal.com And that's S-O-K-O-L If anyone else out there would like a personalized jingle Visit patreon.com charlie And claim a spot at the $3 per episode level There are 7 spots left to get a jingle in season 5 And it would be cool to have a few more listeners on the patron list Especially since I'm going ad-free this season Jingles are more fun anyways Thanks for considering it also, I just want to say thanks once again to all of you who have been donating as patrons. You're really helping me live the dream. If you aren't quite ready to take the plunge as a patron, but you still want to help out, you could leave a review in iTunes. It might seem insignificant, but actually if everyone who listened took a minute to do this, I have a feeling it would help rocket it up on their charts. So let's try for a push of reviews this season and just see what happens. Okay, one last announcement. If you missed the last episode, I announced our new composing quest. We're going to pair up composers and video game developers to create brand new games, and they'll be showcased at the Gamers Rhapsody convention here in Minnesota on November 13th at 7pm. Right now we have 30 composers signed up and only 6 developers, but we're working on a solution to this imbalance, so feel free to get your name on the list, and maybe you can also convince a game developer to sign up with you. Visit ComposerQuest.com slash quest sixteen for signups and more details. If you've been listening to the show, you know that our previous quest was to pair up with filmmakers and write new scores that the Composer Quest Orchestra played live at the screening this summer. It was a huge success. Twenty-two new films were screened, the auditorium was overflowing with people, and we got some great coverage by Twin Cities newspapers and we were even on the 10 o'clock news for about 15 seconds. So congrats to everyone who participated. I bring all this up because our guest today, Stephen Lettness, participated in the quest, and we started our conversation out with a little debriefing of his process. Enjoy. We, we met through you signing up for our Mankino Film Score Fest. Um, yeah. And, yeah, your music turned out great for it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, I, I didn't know
1: what to expect, you know, and so when Nick Verhalen uh, sent me the video, I was like, I was looking for the audio track. Like, where's Where's the audio? All he sent me was video because, you know, like, like most composers, we deal with audio and they send you the dialogue tracks. And I'm like, Nick, he's like, no, 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 it's meant to be a silent film. And so I thought, oh, my, you know, because <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm used to providing underscore and not helping tell the story through melody and through instruments talking back and forth. You know, that's just not usually my bag when people hire me. Yeah, you know, that's not what we would really love the music to shine through and overshadow our dialogue and our story. (laughs) Um, And so but but it turned out to be really enjoyable because it's so rare to get to compose for not only what's on screen, but to help with emotions and to tell a story and have there be flow. But there still be a theme throughout. So it's and uh, and so Nick's film and, Minkino gave me the opportunity to do something I wouldn't normally do. And unfortunately, since I don't see well, I don't. I never learned to orchestrate, you know, on paper. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't do what the whole purpose of the project was (laughs) was to have your score performed by a live orchestra. Uh, So I felt a little sheepish going in there because I've got all these, you know, great players in front of me, and of course, you know, with my vision, I sit front row. So I'm looking at all these, well, fake looking at like all these musicians up there, and you know, playing all these pieces. Then all of a sudden the somewhat slightly poorly mixed <laughs> video of the music track with my music track that I that I sent and and then we dropped in pops on I'm like oh man, I can hear 80 Hertz really loud you know and um, you know so but uh, but people seem to enjoy it. was nice to get laughs i didn't know if we would you know but it just felt nice to get in very distinct areas good hit points of, yeah. of laughter and so that made me feel really good
0: yeah yeah that, so what was your process then of did you have nick kind of go moment by moment and describe what he was wanting to do with the the film for you to hit those hit points with the music uh, no, there was nothing like, it. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: She sure. sent me the video and I went to town and, uh, and I, you know, sent it to him and he was fine with it. Cool. So I had to make, make some decisions about it that he obviously was all right with. Um, I hope he's doing okay. <laughs> you <laughs> know, down in Chicago. Yeah. Never, never met the guy. Never talked to the guy. It was just a few emails Yeah, and stuff. So it's, uh, you know, it sounded to me like he was a younger kid getting into it. And he's like, I just want to do this because I want to finish something. And he did it. So I'm, I'm proud of him for doing that. And, you know, we, we made, a, made a fun product. Yeah. And then apparently at the end of it, the, the last, because I couldn't really see what was on the screen. So I was sitting there for two hours, like trying to figure out and assume what was going on based <laughs> on the music. And But apparently the last film was your music with the large cat yeah <laughs> okay that's all i know yep people were laughing at a oh,
0: gigantic cat yeah and so so <laughs> everybody was having a great time yeah <laughs> well i can describe it a little bit um the video was pretty genius it was by andrew ranallo who is helps with Minkino and Kino. and um his composer actually backed out so i ended up composing it at in like one weekend just had to try and get it done because the video was so good. it's um, <clears throat> It starts out with him getting ready for work, and then he goes out the front door with a giant ball and throws it out and then runs towards his car. You don't know what's going on. This happens three times. The second time, he throws a ball of yarn out onto the street. Oh, I Then the third time, he whips out a giant laser pointer, <laughs> and that's when the... Reveal of the giant cat happens. Ah, okay.
2: That was really, (laughs) really
0: fun to write music for. Wow. Because it, I, during the um, cat chase scene, i was considering doing like a rock thing the whole time
2: Mm -hmm.
0: um but then i started to think about um something like bolero uh by ravel Mm -hmm. and so i ended up just doing this like bolero type composition (laughs) mood i think for that scene would have felt like fast paced but yet the cat is moving really slowly he's just like constantly threatening but moving Mm -hmm. very slowly down the street after this guy who's running he's running a little (laughs) position yeah yeah so by having this bolero style which is like slow but ominous Mm -hmm. that seemed to work pretty well that was yeah just a really fun event yeah i hope I'm, we get to do it every year <laughs> you hope you get to do it well we can do it yeah. um hopefully we get grants for it every year maybe i should say <laughs> sure sure <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a bit of work to exactly. put together so yeah well that's that's what i'm actually learning about right now grant actually. writing it is about grant writing oh yeah cool so is this for blind ambition yep nice yeah, so what... tell tell me about that
1: Tell me about that. Well, for the for people who are out there, obviously they're out there. <laughs> Where else <laughs> would they be? So I have the voices in my head. Um, um, but we call that inspiration, right? As artists? Yeah. The voices in the head, we're, it's inspiring. Uh, I am mostly blind. So I have retinitis pigmentosa. I have macular degeneration. I have cone rod dystrophy. So my eyes are shot. So if you could imagine looking. I had, like, the moons of Saturn. Like, there's this, like, like this moon Io or something. It's, it's very mm. charcoal-y and kind of black. It's kind of like overexposed film. They're what my retinas look like. Mm. And so, when I see out in the world, like, right now, everything's blurry, you know, and stuff. With my glasses, with my glasses. Man, they're, they're almost there for decoration, man. And I hate glasses. <laughs> uh-huh. I just, I, I can't stand wearing these things. But, uh, well, they do help a little bit. So, I have very, very, very little vision. I was born this way. And uh, I think that's a Madonna lyric. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I was born this way. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, uh, And uh, so I learned by Suzuki method. And so I couldn't see. And so I had to learn everything by ear. And anyway, as I have done a lot of projects and, you know, started to find success in this industry, I want to find a way to help other people who are disabled. Because I feel like if I can do it, other people can do it. It took three times as long to, to, to learn something as other people because I, I have different ways of doing things. So things take longer. Some things are shorter, but some, a lot of things take a little longer for me to do. So it's a time suck. A disability isn't necessarily so much something that will uh, remove your capacity for ambition, but it is a time suck. So you have to be good at time management. And figuring out, well, how much time do I want to devote to this or that? Because everything will take longer. Not because my brain can't catch up, but my eyes can't. Hmm. So, uh, things do take me longer. Uh, sometimes, Unless I get a deadline. Uh, and then then you make it happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I have this director whose uh, name is Ken Feinberg. And I did my first feature with him. And I remember one time I, I helped him. And I had to score and dialogue edit 30 short films in 11 days what <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh it was it was wild but you know he had some people fall through and so i scored 30 short films in 11 days and edited them and it was a nice challenge because you had to do it you, there was no way to get around it the premiere was you know coming up a few days later and i wasn't going to let this guy who gave me a big opportunity with a feature i'm not going to let him down disability be damned um, and so, so I did do it. And so, but that comes from experience with software like Cubase and with playing and being proficient on instruments so that when you do have a short amount of time, you can't just step at you know, your, mm-hmm. your notes in when you, when you're, you know, you need to be able to grab your, your Akai or your Roland keyboard and be able to whip out your melodies and your counter melodies, you know, yeah. get to it. Um, and so Practice your scales, kids, and, you know, because I've been playing piano for over 30 years, and and you got to, you know, you got to practice. But anyway, so that was a very long-winded way to come back to say, so I've, um, so I want to help the blind. So I have this project, it's, the working title is Blind Ambition Project. I think it's a little too tongue-in-cheek, it's a little too on the nose, (laughs) Um, but it's a working title for now. And the whole purpose is, is... I want to find, you know, 10 to 12 kids and adults who have sight challenges and who, you know, maybe don't believe in themselves, you know, have a talent that they just feel ashamed of because, you know, they're they have a problem seeing and so they don't want to get in front of anybody and so they don't really have a way to really exercise what they have inside of them or maybe they don't have the instruments at home because they don't have the money, you know, maybe, you know, you know inner city kids with sight challenges, you know, who, you know, just don't have the money to to get an instrument. You know? mm-hmm. And so I want to find 10 or 12 kids and adults, um, learn their story and put them into a studio and take a piece of music of their music that they've written and just produce it, make something killer, something that they can be proud of. So they can when they're in that studio and they're listening to their music and they got a really good producer and they've got other studio musicians from around the world that I'm finding to do this project you know, they can sit there and say, wow, so this is the potential. This is what can happen. What I have in my head can sound like this and and let them hear it in full, beautiful 96K 24 bit <laughs> and give them that feeling of success, of, of triumph, of accomplishment. Because a lot of blind people, well, guess what? We don't work. You know, it's it's hard to find jobs because, well, you know, who wants to hire you know, disabled people? Not many people will give people with disabilities a chance. And we also tend to very easily sometimes can get down on ourselves about our challenge. Mm. And then we internalize it. And then when you internalize stuff, you start overthinking. And then what do you do? You ruminate, you stay at home, you, uh, who knows, You, you end up drinking too much or you end up, you know, doing unhealthy things because you're, you, you kind of fell into yourself. And so I want to play a little prevention and find people who might even be there. But, but just give people a shot to say, I can do this. This is amazing. This sounds good. I want to do more of this. I want to, wow, this, this producer, this engineer in, in here, how does he do what he does? Or is there a way for me to learn this kind of software with my site challenge? Can I do this? And get them to just start asking questions. What can I do? What can I do? Um, and then we'll just we'll film it. We're going to document the process of them from the beginning uh, throughout uh, the studio. And I guess the the general button of the documentary will be a concert at the end. So it's it's a huge learning process. It is monumental and it is not what I'm used to. I'm used to getting that phone call It's like, all right, you know, you know, we we need you to work on this, you know, and then you write the music. I'm at the end. I, the, the only thing I'm responsible for is writing the music. And this is completely opposite because I'm at the forefront now. This is all you know i'm going to direct it hmm. a blind that's, director
0: <laughs> that's, that's great that's a great project idea And
1: yeah so I've, I've uh
0: i think it'd be really cool to talk to some of those kids on composer quest too like oh, during the process mm, if um, mm-hmm.
1: that that would be maybe we could do some kind of you know joint venture in, in some way and yeah. you know kind of kind of just follow through some of them and maybe
0: yeah. a little bit Short segment for each of them.
1: Maybe, maybe, you know, and, uh, and, and actually that, that reminds me, I I did set up a Gmail account for if there are people out there and I, and I am trying to keep this more closely tied to Minnesota just for the grant purposes. And I am looking for multiple funding sources. It's not just going to be through grants because as I've thought about this, you make, when, when you're doing something and especially applying for grants, I didn't realize you actually make two budgets. You make the one to shoot for the stars, and the one you can get away with just enough to get it done.
0: Yeah, you know? um, and, and you also have to have matching funds for a lot of grants too. Like, oh my, thank like you for telling me that. Yeah, <laughs> but the nice thing is, like with the Film Score Fest, we got two grants, so they counted for each other's matching funds. So if you can get two grants, that's awesome. Oh. But yeah, well, a were. lot of them, hmm. like one. One grant required 50% matching. One grant required like 25% matching funds. Okay. Some I think are, they don't require that, but.
1: Well, you are definitely someone that I would love to talk to off air about, about that as sure. I go through, just, just to hear some of your stories, some of your war stories and things to maybe watch out for. And I'm actually going to a grant review, a public grant review just to learn Oh yeah. Um, how they do that. But I do want to say, cause I keep digressing, um, if there are people out there who know of kids or adults again like i don't want this just to be kids because adults again i'm a late bloomer you know mm-hmm. when, when i got into this so if there are kids and adults who are blind or who have sight challenges that are really struggled that you know of who either don't believe in themselves or they're hard up or they just haven't been able to make something happen uh, uh, please email blindambitionproject ambition at gmail.com blind project at gmail.com um, just, uh, give me, give me their names and, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about them, you know, and, but I'm trying to keep it to Minnesota, but there, I'm sure there are stories all over the place yeah, about people who've got some killer talent that just some need some people to believe in them and say, all right, I dig your song that you sent me on an old Memorex, yeah. you know, and, uh, let's throw you into the studio and, and let's polish this puppy up.
0: Yeah. Well, back to the... Thirty short films in eleven days. Ah. How, how does that even happen? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you knuckle down, man. So, so was it like related short films, or just all no, over the map, all, all, all styles, all styles? And and honestly,
1: for a few of them, I just did bookends, it, just little intros and outros. But also on a lot of them, I did do you know some underscore, and I just kind of decided I am going to do whatever I want. With these, with this time crunch and what they are asking of me, I'm just gonna go whole hog and just experiment the heck out of all of my gear and all of my plugins and anything and everything I could find just to see. And most of the stuff worked. Like the director was okay with it. It's like, hey, you did a great job, you know. And which is to say, take a chance. You know, don't be sheepish about what you know what you guys wanna write. Like what, what? What do they say? Like when, with mixing, when you're first mixing, you know, crank it up to where you think it is, and then drop everything back by half, or something. You know, like because as you're learning, you know, all you know are just little little blot points on a scale, and or or the red, no, I guess we could look at it as ironically, a blind person talking about resolution. So like you like you're you're when you're first learning something, your resolution is awful. It's awful. You know, two forty you know, 480, there you can see the pixels. And what those are, those are little learning blocks, little learning pixels. And as you get better and better, well, obviously your resolution goes up and thus you don't need to see the brashness between each pixel, between each part, because you've associated, well, this is what 80 hertz sounds like. This is what 200 hertz sounds like. This is this is what that guitar sounds like at 2K. That sounds awful. And you know how to dip that in your EQ. And But at the beginning... You're just cranking that EQ and you're slapping on that preset from Ozone just to just, just to give it some shimmer and shine. But then as you listen to it, then you start picking up on stuff. And if it's all about it's all about your audible resolution for practice with a plug-in, practice doing something. So you can get really fine tuned and really specific. And it's a learning process, and it'll take you
0: years to do it, and that's okay. Um what sample libraries are you using? Because so those sound pretty good like your string sections and um wins did you actually did you like the wins uh yeah it was there's one like your um 2014 holiday theme was one that i was listening to that struck me as like oh those are pretty nice
1: Yeah, those are actually most of my products. I can't wait to get the backlash, you know, like there are people. There. And most of my stuff's East West. Because oh. when I first started out, I needed a deal. I need I had I had a thousand bucks and it was a loan. I was talking to a friend, I'm like, you know, I'm just pinching pennies, you know, because I'm gonna save up. Because East West, you know, had their amazing deal with their complete composer collection for a thousand bucks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I got, and then a friend of mine on Valentine's Day, on Valentine's Day, she calls me up with her husband and she's like, hey, Steve, we're in a hotel room. We're enjoying our, our Valentine's Day. But, you know, when you were talking to me the other day, I realized, you know, I really I wanted to help you out, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, you're telling me you were struggling with some cash, but you wanted to do some film. And well, guess what my husband does? He's a director. His name is Ken Feinberg. And he's the one who I did the the Christmas movie, my first feature with. And she's like, you know, we we talked about it and we want to help you out. So here's a thousand dollar loan. You know, no interest. You can pay us back at your leisure, but we want to get you started. Funny thing was, was the week I got it, Ken calls me up and says, you know, we're actually doing a a TV show pilot (laughs) and, you know, we need some music for it. Are you game?" I didn't tell them this, but in my head I'm like, I just got this yesterday. I have never played with any of these sounds and you got a TV pilot that you need some music for? But you know what? I said yes. Because kids and adults out there, when you get an opportunity, you say yes. And then you figure out how the hell you are gonna do it test yourself. You got, you, you got one chance, maybe two in your life, you know, like this and you just fire those afterburners up and you just grind. Like if you can tell I'm a grinder, like it's, it's just, you, you gotta do it. You have to say yes. Unless someone's taking advantage of you, then you can, you know, you walk away, you politely, you walk away, but it's, um, you gotta take a shot. And so I did, and so I wrote a bunch of cues for for this pilot, and uh, I mean it didn't get picked up. Was, I mean most most TV pilots don't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, they're just I mean there's so many, but it was cool. You know that was my first foray into writing to video on a bigger scale than I thought. So I started with the with the East West stuff, and then I built up, and then, and then but then I found I really liked the, the Hollywood Strings, Hollywood Brass, and then I bought the Diamonds, and then I bought Hollywood ones. Or the uh, you know east west stuff. And so most of it was east west because it was such a crazy deal. Because that was their marketing thing. You know, let's get them in the door. Yeah. You know, it's super cheap stuff. And then, but their libraries are killer. I love their strings. I am in love with their brass, especially that yeah. French horn. Um. And and uh, their woodwinds are. Well, comparatively, they're just not as not not as good. But but then, uh, but in 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 my opinion, I would love some Berlin strings. I would love some Berlin woodwinds
2: mm.
1: by far. And and I would love to get into Vienna symphonic library stuff. But I hate their UI. I hate it because it's that awful, weak blue on white. And for a blind person. I need contrast, 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 mm. contrast. VSL just makes up killer stuff, but I can't use it because it hurts my eyes. Like over time, I can't see the damn stuff. Mm. So I can't use those libraries. Um, but like Berlin Strings, their UI is very dark. It's very rich. There's a mm. lot of
0: contrast in there. And I like that and it doesn't hurt my eyes. So when you're like, what other things are helpful for you as a blind person, like with software?
1: The primary one that I use is from AI Squared and it's called zoom text. And so it's just a screen magnifier. And you can, you know, reverse contrast on it really easy. And so if you were to look at Hollywood squares, you know, you got those nine squares. My magnification is one of those squares. And so I will only see maybe seven or eight percent of the screen. And so I'm really good with that mouse and key commands. Key commands are so killer, you know, tactile. Mm -hmm. You also adjust in how you record and you don't like your disability dictating what your process is going to be, but what are you going to do? You know, the stem cells ain't helping me out yet. So I don't have a solution. So I have, so you got to be creative. You got to find ways to, Set up your keyboards in such a way so you don't have to lean down and look at the screen super super close to press record or re-record or backtrack. You know, you just find those keystrokes so you don't even have to look at the screen. Like half the stuff I do, I don't have to look at the screen. Hmm. Um, it's all key commands. I would say the the biggest transformative piece of tech. God bless Steve Jobs. Was the iPad hmm. and and the yeah. iPhone because. Before I had the money to buy an iPhone, like I was, you know, I was buying, you know, my Android stuff and I loved my Samsungs and my HTCs, my HTC Evos. And, but with my, my brick of a phone, my big four and a half inch phone at that time, right? You know, (laughs) like four years ago, I carried around a white magnifying glass with my phone. So when I got a text, I had to hold my phone up with my magnifying glass real close to read what the text was. And when the iPhone came out, I, you know, i bought like the, it was like the five or something. It had a zoom feature. You could zoom in that stuff and s- s- scroll it up and down. And, and it's funny because like all my Android friends, um, you know, they, they come and kind of say, well, well, Samsung does that too. My Android phone does it too. I'm like, but yeah, but does it do it on every screen anywhere you want easily? Hmm. They don't, I could be wrong. And you know what? You know what? Send me emails. Steve <laughs> at gmail.com. Like if you disagree and if there's some killer stuff out there, because I would love to have an option of phone because right now Apple has got a monopoly on the disabled <laughs> and I don't like it. Even though they're, they're great stuff. I like choice. We live in a f- country full of choice. Um, but, but the iPhone and iPad was amazing because you, you know, your three finger double tap lets you zoom in and zoom up and zoom down. But also they make it super easy for it to read anything Because, Mm. you know, you just, you highlight it, there's a copy and a speak. You press speak and it reads it for you. So, the iPad has actually been a huge, just transformative piece of tech that has changed my life for the better. Um, Ironically, I don't use it for music because there's no buttons on it. There's no knobs. (laughs) And like, Touch OSC is supposedly this great thing. Well, Good for you guys with your great vision. You know, it might as well be a big old block for like a machine pad, you know, for a kick drum because like you have to look at what it is on there, you know? And so I like my little Korg nano controllers, Mm. you know, with the levers and little knobs because those are tactile. And for a blind person, I can just reach out because it's muscle memory. It's all muscle memory. You reach out, you know exactly where to reach. You don't have to see where you're reaching and you just know which one it is and you just turn it, you flip it, you move it. Um, So a lot of this stuff's muscle
0: memory. Yeah on your about page it talks about you having hypersensitive hearing of tone and harmony and i was wondering what how that affects your music making and music listening i guess too
1: i have this conversation a lot with people because a lot of people say well you know once you lo- if you lose a you know uh, one one you know sense the others you get really good at that they end up being really amazing well yes and no because It's not that I hear any better and actually doing this and doing music and going to rock concerts and being in metal bands and and prog metal stuff. And just because I love death metal, it's like over the years of listening to that stuff, you know, my my ears have been been hurt. They're a little shot. Hmm. But what it is, is we can simply hear more at once because since we can't I can't fixate on your eyes, you're a blur to me. Right now, I can't see your lips moving. I can't see your micro expressions of, well, are you smiling just because you should, because you're polite? Or are your eyes going up too because you're actually smiling because I said Mm -hmm. something funny? I can't see any of that. You know, 90% of what we pick up in life is our visual cues, right? Um, Well, we don't get that. So what we have to do is pay attention with our ears and with our other senses. And it's just being able to hear like multiple conversations at once. Or when you listen to a piece of music. You can hear the melody. Oh, but you can hear the counter melody along with it. Oh, and you can hear that along with it. And so it's just, it's just, it's casting a wider net because we're forced to cast a wider net. Sometimes we really want to be pinpointed and sometimes we can't, (laughs) we just can't because we're trained because when we're walking across the street, you know, we've got, birds to listen for, we got cars to listen for. We've got, you know, people's voices that are in the way. We've got construction going on. We have to hear all these different things and, and and decipher which one is most important. Because getting hurt, getting hit in traffic sucks. Um has it
0: happened to yes. you?
1: Yeah. No. Oh, no. Happened. Yeah it did. It did. So it's uh it's uh but but okay so so things happen. We gotta watch out. <laughs> Ironically, well uh, watch out. But it's uh but it all it is is just senses is just casting a wider net we we must hear multiple things at once to to get through and you know it's a lot of fun too you know going to a concert and like going to min kino and and being able to pay attention to you know what the guy's doing on the snare and and you know what the violinist is doing what the cellist is doing but i can't do more than four i can't Mm. i can't do more than four i've tried but i just i'm not Huh. I'm not way up there like some of my friends who are crazy geniuses. Like, uh, uh but that, that's all it is, you know. Hmm. So it's not we hear any better; we just hear more at once.
0: You also mentioned a cavernous memory for musical things, or I guess beyond that too, just obviously. things in general.
1: Like you know, just remembering well again just comes from sight. You know, like I, I always hated looking up people's numbers when I was a kid, so I memorize people's phone numbers. And I would mm-hmm. memorize my, you know, my bank accounts, memorize addresses, memorize anything and everything I could. So I, and the whole purpose was so I didn't have to use my eyes to read it because I would have to strain. Mm-hmm. And then I get really early onset crow's feet, right? Who wants mm-hmm. that? What, you know, um, and so I know all my addresses and I know everybody's phone numbers from like third grade. And I know, <laughs> like, I'm not going to give them out now, but Skylar Schmidt, I know your number from Milwaukee, <laughs> you know. And, uh, uh, but yeah, but it just out of necessity, you know, that that's what it was. And thankfully that has then in turn led itself to be able to remember a lot of stuff with music and to be able to, because again, you're forced to do it. And so I have the benefit of being able to, you know, listen to a song and, you know, in 10 minutes, you know, and pick it up. And so it's always fun for weddings. Like, have you, have you played for weddings? Uh, one
0: time. Yeah. One time. But okay. I had sheet music with me, I guess. So
1: Did you have someone play with you or did you play yeah, solo?
0: Yeah, I had someone play with me because I was... You wouldn't want to hear me doing solo violin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, well, because yeah. it's, it's, it's
1: like going going to those things and having to pick up... If you're having to play with somebody and you've had no time to practice, you got to learn to pick up on what they're laying down uh, very quickly. Mm. So you can keep on time. And are they going to be too sharp? Are they going to speed up? Are they anxious? And so you have to be quick on the ball. Like last night, I went to the Alberon Tap. Yeah, and I noticed that uh, a buddy of mine was was, was when, he, when he was singing there. I noticed that he, uh, there was a slight difference in the the tempo of uh, the player of the piano player who actually did a wonderful job, but I don't know. But they'd never played before. This is his first time, and so he was singing at a slightly different tempo than she was. And so it was I could tell like there was just a battle a mm. little bit between tempos. Um, but I was, now I'm kind of going off a little bit. So, But all that means is just I could remember to those crazy Rachmaninoff passages. You know, they're yeah. just sheets of black, you know, <laughs> when, when I was younger. And so just the memory was just, just, just to memorize music. And yeah. That's all, you know.
0: Well, and, I want to ask you about actually a Rachmaninoff moment in your life that I did some Facebook stalking and found your video Ah. from 1993. (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. Uh, And you you came out, um, I'm guessing this is like junior high talent show. Yeah. Came out with super long hair. Yeah. And the girls are all screaming. Yeah. And then you just played... Rachmaninoff, Prelude in C sharp minor. So come on up, Steve.
2: This is, a, this is a piano piece that is very difficult, that most college piano majors have trouble mastering.
1: And so, go for it, Steve. I believe we're going to prelude in C sharp minor.
0: You mentioned it was uh, kind of a turning point in your life. That was that was the uh, the pivotal moment. I knew what I wanted to do
1: in my life right there, because uh, like I had just met this girl Ruthie and I was in love, and I was learning this rock bottom off piece, and so I was starting to like everything was just germinating in there for a little bit. But you know, just like your hormones and stuff when you're that young, like everything is on or off it's all binary when you're young you know there's no gray area everything's the biggest deal in the world or you know, it's the, the worst deal in the world and I was thinking about this the other day just as a side tangent you know I used to get annoyed you know when kids would get so angry about stuff and so frustrated and everything was such a big deal and I, and I realized like well of course it's a big deal because it's the first time they've ever had to experience it it's there's some, they're the ones who are turning those knobs all the way up and they just haven't learned to pull it back halfway because they're learning what this emotion is like. So of course they're supposed to be crazy and chaotic and dynamic and wild and unruly. It's, they're supposed to be kids and they're supposed to figure this out. And so like this experience was one of the first times I'd actually performed outside of a recital. And because uh, that's what most of my stuff was, was like for church or recitals or competitions. And it just funny. <laughs> When I was younger, I, I did so many competitions, and before I would go on, I would sit back in the chair and I would just fall asleep. I would nod off, and my teacher would say, "Steve, you're up, you're up." She'd pat my knee, and, and I'm like, "What, what, what?" And uh, but I would walk in and I'd go play my Chopin or you know go you know and uh, go play play something. And uh, but this was the first time that I was out there like in the public, you know, with my peers, with people who. You know, were my friends and were my haters. You know, and my enemies. And 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 uh, I, I almost want to say like I had like this kind of out of body experience. Oh, I don't know whether it was just nerves, and crazy nerves that like my brain couldn't take it. But I swear to goodness, I just I felt like I was looking at myself from somewhere else. And at the end of it, you know, what was really cool was that like even on the video, the old VHS tape. Like as I'm playing those final real slow chords. You've got six, seven, eight hundred kids and adults. Teenagers, 13, 14 years old. You couldn't hear a damn word. You couldn't hear them breathing. You couldn't hear them snickering, but you just pulled them in. And then all you can hear at the end of it is the vent. And then I lift my fingers off the keyboard and everybody erupts. I realized I did it. I did it. Oh my gosh, my my first public experience is amazing. Like I kinda came back into my body and I got up and I started punching the air and stuff. And th- and and I'm kicking kicking around on like and I'm just punching the air and but like I've I have I've only done recitals. You don't punch the air recitals? <laughs> and but here I am just punching the air it was the best experience I had in the world. But then I remembered, oh, recital and then I bowed the end. Go, <laughs> but that was the moment that changed my life and set me on a trajectory of music because it felt so powerful it felt so good that you know i felt really good and i felt that people were actually enjoying it i could tell that they were but later the video i will not put on facebook is later that night i had to play with my band spam witch <laughs> where i played guitar and i wrote this tune and what was nice though was Getting that Rachmaninoff out of the way and realizing, oh, my God, I really love this, made me ready to play a rock tune, hmm. you know, because then my spirit was free. I was a little more, I was able to spread my wings a little bit because I'd gotten through this really hard piece at the time. So, that was, that was, that was the uh, very. Spam spam-witch. spamwitch, yeah. <laughs> real, real creative for. <laughs> That's great. For, for junior high kids, you know. Were That's... you writing
0: some of those songs, too? Or mm-hmm. what? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the first, one of the first ones, but they're all junior high bands, you know. It's just, yeah. you know, it's fun. But then later, we, a few people and I, we we made a band called Cumulus, which is a progressive metal band, like super crazy, difficult stuff, hmm. just just super complicated. And it was all and it was so fun. We didn't have a singer. Ironically, the keyboard player ended up being in the middle. <laughs> Not because I loved uh, because I loved the attention, but because nobody else wanted to talk to anybody else, like out in the audience. And uh, so the keyboard player, who's usually in the back, the forgettable one, you know, next to the bass player, like we're <laughs> we're the people nobody pays attention
0: to. Wow, harking back way back, blast yeah, way back. <laughs> so, at what point then did you feel like you wanted to get into film? Scoring. What got me thinking about it
1: was when Braveheart came out. Hmm. There's a $2 theater up the block. And so I went there and I saw it and like I cried at the end. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And I was a teenager and James Horner's score, like it just got me. I ended up going back two more times that week, mm-hmm. just walking those two miles to that theater, just to sit there for three hours and watch Emile Freedom. Ironically, I laughed really hard because... Rage Against the Machine had just come out with their song "Freedom," and and so the first time I saw, it, I'm like, I'm really sad about Mel Gibson getting his head chopped off, but man, this is so <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, and but and then but listening to that score, it was James Horner who got you know my end is going for for film score music you know and then realize you know he did aliens and then he did yeah. some star trek and then he just field and, of dreams f- my oh, favorite score i and, think yeah he's he will be missed and when he died a few months ago he he was the first stranger that i cried for hmm. cuz like who cries for strangers you know hmm. like what 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 significance do they have on you when you know like paul walker died you know from fast and furious and I'm like, okay, people apparently were sad about it, but unless you knew them, you know, what's hmm. it to you? Are you just sad? Because now every year you don't have two hours to look at this handsome fellow on the screen. You know, like, why are you so sad? Or like Robin Williams, amazing guy, I'm sure really funny guy. But again, what's it to you? Uh, but it's how we internalize what people mean to us. And we are regretting and we feel bad because we no longer get to experience what they provided for us. So at first, I was really callous about it, but I try to reach out and understand why people feel this way. And it's because we miss the joy they give us. We want that joy. We gravitate towards certain people who provide exactly what our hearts and minds need. And when those people are gone, it really sucks. And when James Horner died and I was sitting up on my rooftop. With my bottle of wine, cranking out my you know Spotify playlist of James Horner, getting drunk, just thinking, James, why, why? You because know, it was still the night you know that that they weren't sure if it was him, and mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there listening to Braveheart and to Glory and, and and all of his other scores, and just clinging to hope, you know. But who wants to hope that like it was some other pilot who died, right? Yeah, you know. I mean, that that's awful. <laughs> that's... I want the person that means something to me to live. You know that's that's awful. But so like, but so he was like a big, uh, just the the biggest influence on me. But funny part was, as I was, you know, as as I got more into this, because I, f- I first wanted to be a pianist, like a world famous piano player, which is why I kicked out, you know, multiple piano CDs that were, as you could probably surmise, were pretty assertive and pretty angry and pretty aggressive. I that's what I wanted to do. Because I listened to all this, you know, Yanni, Jim Brickman, garbage, BS, weak, sauce, piano, (laughs) crap, you know, this new age garbage. Ah, yuck. Uh, Because it had no soul. It was just, it was just nothing but icing. Nothing but soft, warm, gooey, just cheese. And it was just soft. There was no depth. There was no passion. Well, there was passion, but it was just, it was lofty. But, you know, what is epic music without contrast? Right, mm-hmm. You know, something is made epic, not because it's all timpanis and, you know, layering your strings with your big brams and garbage. It's the soft parts. And so when something f- feels epic is because you've had contrast to really comprehend how amazing this really sounds from a different viewpoint. Mm. Now, you can't be mired in the muck to see how big the battle is going. You know, you, you have to stand back to realize the depth and breadth of a battle of the bulge or a Normandy, you know, your, your field of vision is so small when all you're doing is banging at MIDI 127. And so the contrast is key. Um, but a lot of my piano stuff was very aggressive because I was firing against this softness with no other dynamic layer other than mezzo piano. And so, you know, like, but my heroes, you know, were the angry Russians, the Shostakoviches, mm-hmm. the Tchaikovsky's. Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff was my piano hero, and I wanted to emulate him, even though my hands are half the size, <laughs> you know. And and playing chords with all five fingers on both hands is a little harder. Yeah, you know, on you know, with his like you know, gigantor hands. And uh, and so I just got I just got annoyed, so I tried to make really busy piano music because I wanted to hear piano music that. I wanted to hear so but I want to do that for a while but I didn't I realized I don't have the talent to to do piano like I just yeah I can play fast and yeah I can get creative on the piano but you know what I'm no (laughs) I'm no Van Cliburn I'm no Horowitz I'm not even a Condoleezza Rice you know Condoleezza (laughs) Rice was was a was a concert pianist no I didn't know that (laughs) yeah she was well she she trained for it and she's really good Hmm. you know um but I'm not them I have a different kind of style. My style is a little more rugged. You know, as you could tell, definitely wasn't quantized, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I, I took some time away from music. And, but the other funny, the, the, the dubious hilarity of keyboards, it comes to keyboards. Back in the day, 80s and 90s, you had your screens, whatever keyboards you have, might have that would have a screen on it, it would show you numbers, like your, your screen for, so you could mess with your values. The screens were small, but the print, there wasn't much of it on there. And so I could read. I had to get real close, like two inches away to read what was on the screen. But all the parameters were all there. They were all isolated and they were big enough because it was simple enough. Mm-hmm. Well, then in the 2000s, um, I came in some money and and I bought a Phantom X6, a Roland Phantom X6. And I thought, this is going to be great because the screen was huge. But what do you do when you got more real estate? You fit more garbage in there. And so ironically, everything got smaller. And so I had no way to see the damn screen. Um, And I got so frustrated. And so I honestly, I just kind of stopped and I let it stop and I was, and uh, so I didn't do it for a while. Um, And I actually kind of quit music because I was kind of frustrated and annoyed that I wasn't as far along, like my dreams, like my reality did not catch up with my dreams which is why people need to be really careful about how far they dream because when you fall hard, it hurts a lot. And so you have to take measured steps, still dream big, but have goals, have small goals, have measured, uh, hit points. And we have to have hit points in our own movie, right? Um, benchmarks to hit so that our dream as we achieve it and we're trying to go towards it, it's not just on or off, you know, it's not all or nothing. It is steps towards glory. And I didn't have that. I was way too out front. My eyes were bigger, you know, and, uh, and that was frustrating. So I actually quit doing music for like five years. And I finally got back into it, figured out my path, went on well walkabout, lived all over the country. And, but finally found my voice again, put out a piano album, which is a very angry piano album that nobody likes about me. And <laughs> that gave me the compunction and realization that, man, I love this again. And then the resurgence of wanting to do film. And then learn about orchestration came back. So, uh, and and then my friend came in and saved the day with a thousand dollar loan. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then here That's we are. Cool. On yeah. Compose a Quest yep. with Charlie McCarron, <laughs> who, uh, who does so much stuff. And even like you, like you have your hands in so much. Man, I was really excited when I was standing there at Opera on Tap last night. And Aaron, the announcer says, and here's a piece written with so, 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 and also Charlie McCarran like man what does this guy not do you got podcasts you do video production you do music you create games like you you know video game stuff you do grants and you you have film festivals film score fests and that's just you are a baller you just you got an engine on you and what's really funny because you just this really nice gentle you know soft-spoken thoughtful person who listens to people and knows how to ask nice questions good questions and keep a conversation going And, and you're a sweetheart, Charlie, you're a total (laughs) sweetheart, you know, and, and here it is. All right. I
0: think we got to cut this (laughs) off.
1: No, but you're so busy and it's really what I'm, it's admiring. I admire all these things that you do because you're also helping out a ton of people. You get to do what you love, but you also get to help other people and, and help them achieve and reach what they want to do. And that's really inspiring. You know, so I just want to say, you know, thanks oh. for thanks for doing what you do because that it's, it doesn't go unnoticed.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah, it's it's been fun like uh, past two and a half years doing the podcast because I think that's what started me thinking about helping other composers and stuff. Because um, you know, before that, you know, I focus on how do I get my own music heard. Mm-hmm. How do I get you know as most composers do. Yeah. How do I get my music in this film or whatever or um So <clears throat> yeah, I think even though like a lot of the stuff I do ends up being helps me out too. It's like there's a self-interest in having a podcast obviously. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um but yeah, it's it's a good lesson for people like if you are trying to trying to get your music out there or whatever, make sure that you see it from the point of view of other people you're working with, other people in the audience. like, what can you do to help them? Cause if like, if you're approaching someone for a, trying to get a job, you know, at least try to approach it in the way of what can I help this person out with? And I have a, Perfect anecdote for that. Because yeah. Because I, I learned, thankfully
1: not the hard way, but it could have been the hard way if I wasn't open to it. First, But again, like, like I said earlier, say yes to things, but also be willing to help. Always volunteer to help. So long as you mean it, mostly because most of the people will not take you up on it. But if they know that you're willing, that can go a long way. But only offer to help if you actually mean it. Mm-hmm. But just know that, you know, because most things fall through. Mm-hmm. Um but, but, anyway, like, uh, I went out to coffee with a director, and he was doing a, a pretty big movie, and I wanted to go, and I wanted to see if he needed a composer mm-hmm. and we got talking, and in about the first fifteen minutes, I realized, oh, this guy already has a composer, and uh, he's already kind of set, and he knows what he's doing. And here I was thinking I was just gonna go into this meeting and think maybe I could convince him that I was the one. Well, after I learned that, it got a little quiet and got a little awkward across the coffee table, because I realized, oh my God, I came into this really selfishly. All about me. I'm like, damn. So I kind of threw my hands up in the air and inside my head, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Just have a good time. Just just talk about other stuff, you know, whatever, you know, ask questions about him. Um Just stop thinking about yourself. So I did. And that very, what would have been a brief 20-minute conversation turned into over three hours. Hmm. And we talked about a whole lot of stuff. And most of it was about him and his films and what he needed done. And what ended up happening was, well, he needed an actor for this role. And I said, well, I happen to know somebody who's been in some other significant movies that might be able to help you. And so I gave him her information and he's like, and he needed this type of person for like a mix stage. And while I just so happy to have gotten back from LA after doing <laughs> my final mix with a guy who did a really killer job at a great rate at official Dolby studio, here's his information. <laughs> oh, and he also needed X. And what ended up happening was I ended up helping him because I shut the hell up. Stop thinking about myself and what I needed and reached out and figured out what other people needed. Be a problem solver. For musicians out there and especially composers, we are composers. We write music not just to serve the, the purpose of the story and, and the picture, but we are problem solvers. We are meant to wear many hats. And that also means listening and communicating and and paying attention to figure out who needs what and can you help them. Mm-hmm. and And it's having not only an ear for music, but an ear for emotion and an ear for what do do directors really mean? Like I've, I've seen so many threads on people, you know, either pissing and moaning about, Oh, this is so laughable. How my director asked me to write a tune and make it sound more like this, you know, and people have gone back and forth. Well, is it good that directors know uh, some musical terms or not? I'm like, hell no. Just give me a mood. What are you going for? You know, lead the questions, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, get them to give you answers that because, this is not meant to sound full of hubris, but nobody that that director knows if they're talking to you as a composer is going to know more about music than you. You got the skills, you got the talent, that's why well, you got the contract and you got the money, hopefully, right? <laughs> yeah. And you got the money coming. So you need to lead the questions to get to the answers that you need so you can help tell the story. And so like, I was talking to uh, this buddy of mine and then he got me talking because I was talking about how directors talk to composers and whatnot. And he gave me a piece of advice, which is when people send you something, instead of just add, throwing at the director a block of questions like, well, what are you going for? What's your motivation? What's your intention? Yes, you need to lead some questions. But first, take a look at you know the reel they sent you or whatever they sent you and first come back with, here's what I'm thinking. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell <clears throat> me if I'm right. Because then you are starting the conversation from a position of relative strength. Because if you come to them and say, "All right, well, I just listened to this, but but what do you really want? What are you going for? What are you going that? You know, if you're, if you're asking too many questions, you know, I was working with a director overseas. Uh, I did a World War II documentary, and I did this with him, and I would keep asking him questions about this, and he would only answer a couple at a time. And and I was thinking about this, and, and I'm like, well. Why isn't he answering all my questions? Like, well, yeah. dummy, he hired you. <laughs> you know, figure it
0: out. Yeah, I'm actually just working on spotting a movie right now and, like, going through and putting in time codes. And, like, I started doing a, a notation system where it's, like, I put a star if I think, yes, there will definitely be music here. Then I have a star and a question mark if it's, like, probably music. Mm-hmm. um but we'll see how it goes and then question mark is by itself is like ask the director because i have no idea <laughs> sure. what would work so sure. or i should have another symbol for like sound design because oh, i feel like have... some sections like maybe will be filled up by sound design rather than score yeah so yeah
1: well, that's yeah that is a uh, huh Enableton allows
0: you to put stars and question uh, marks. Or no, this is just on note paper. Oh, it's on note paper and But sound. okay. But you can actually yeah. in Ableton, have little markers. Sure. That you put in there. Yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah, yeah. Markers, markers are very, very, very important. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, and then, but you really hope you know what you're doing with the uh, with the tempo track. <laughs> <You> yeah. Because <know? laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get real messy. i I've, I've had to backtrack a few times and figure some stuff out the hard way.
0: You know. Yeah, yeah. Ableton's kind of a janky system for moving. Like, if you go back and change the speed of something, then you have to adjust the tempo in some random spot to make it line up again. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And who wants to do that? Which is why the you know the the different questions. Uh, well, do you have a project for each cue, or do you have a project for each reel, or do you have a yeah. project for the entire film? You know, and yeah. I'm of a mind that everything is different. Every project you work on, every person you deal with, everybody will be different and you got to be ready to adjust. Mm. And once you get set, you're screwed. So (laughs) you just, you got to be ready to flow. And that's where you got to Mm. figure out how you're efficient. How can you maximize your time and their time because it's not just you, because they're frustrated about just as much stuff as you are with their editing and, and all the stuff they got to do with distribution and their mm-hmm. color correction and, and other visual effects. So I'm of the mind that depending upon the length of the movie, like, like right now I'm doing just like a 20 minute short horror movie. And I'm just keeping it all on one because it's all like sound design it's all textures and I'm not using a click track because some of the stuff in there doesn't allow me to like mm. they some other people want to stuff stuff in there so it's a lot of flowy kind of stuff and so it's all on one but if I'm doing like a score you know then mm. each cue I don't care if it's a 3 hour historical fiction movie each cue will have its own project,
0: project. okay you know yeah.
1: just just because the bigger stuff you have involved with your lines with all of your strings and brass and woodwinds and all that you need to have that isolated. Yeah. That's that's in my opinion. What do yeah. you tend to have one cue per project or do you
0: Yeah, it well it kind of varies. Um like this film that I'm going to be scoring is a sequel to one that I did in the past and and the director in the last one wanted real minimal like ambient tones. Sometimes just like Ball, a ball, single ball, 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 yeah ball. a single thing <laughs> it um, sounds like a rotating sub. yeah <laughs> uh, so that I ended up having mostly actually some sections what we did for the first round of scoring was he just wanted like sound design pieces and so I just like he'd give me a an example like drive the movie something like yeah. that and then I just did that and he threw it in wherever he wanted <laughs> in the movie <laughs> Um Oh no so, Well <laughs> You know, it was it was okay because they okay. were so simple it wouldn't really matter like when he faded it in or Oh faded. sure,
1: okay. Um
0: okay. but then the second round he realized like, oh maybe we actually need some specific score for certain parts. So then then I ended up having the whole movie in one project because maybe it's out of laziness, but I also kind of wanted to reuse the same sounds. Mhm, sure. So that was kind of nice cuz then I had one track for specific synth sounds. Didn't have to like copy it back and forth when I was messing with stuff. Sure. Um but this one, this film probably, I don't know, it's going to be a lot bigger sound, like way more tracks probably that I'll end up using. So mm-hmm. might have to be split sure. into a few different acts or something like that. It's just, it's just prudent, you know. Yeah. If you need more space, buy another hard drive, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I am going to ask you about your specific music here. Do you want me to I trun- want truncate to? some of my answers so this doesn't end up being six-hour, <laughs> you know, marathon? Well, maybe. Well, oh, okay. here, let's try doing rapid fire. Ask you about a piece of music you composed okay. and what you learned from it. Maybe. How about that? Oh boy. Okay. Uh. I liked your SoundCloud track that was a hypothetical soundtrack to a a, a Muppet Avengers movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where did that come from, and why?
1: I have a love-hate relationship with Epic Music, and I just wanted to practice writing one. There's nothing groundbreaking about it, but I just wanted to just play around with it. Uh, just with just the idea of of, of playing you know, writing some epic music, but not going too crazy with all of the stingers and risers and bongs and brams. And, and, you know, just let those French horns and trumpets just carry the melody the whole way through. Mm -hmm. Um, I just was kind of laughing at myself. Just sometimes I just have a disdain for something and I just have to shut myself up. And it's like, just chill out, dude. If people like the music, they like the music. People love epic music. Uh so I kind of threw the Muppet thing up there just to kind of tell myself to chill out and lighten up.
0: Of crossfade to victory oh because uh, that actually i thought about that when you're talking about the dynamics like having epic music is just not that great unless they're dynamic yeah so that was a cool idea and you listen to it all the way through yeah okay cause <laughs> that... zero what your the... description was nice zero to 60 in just over three minutes
1: yeah that's yeah, a. Uh, uh, What I for people out there, that that song it starts out with a very slow, melancholic piano and ends with a very heavy electric guitar. Power chord. I just wanted to show dynamics while maintaining a theme because. I have a habit, like a lot of composers, and especially a lot of a lot of beginner composers, of here's this idea, and then here's this idea, and here's the next one, and here's another one, oh, another one, and just, and then just, they're just kind of blocks that we just jam together, and there's no flow, there's no continuity, you know, there's there's no time to develop one idea. So that song was to take a theme... And slowly build on it throughout the entire piece just to see if I can do it. Because like a lot of my piano because again, I like prog rock, I like prog metal, I like things to begin one place and end another. And so that's why a lot of my piano music doesn't repeat. You know, it's not that because I you know I'm I don't know how to write a structured form, verse chorus, verse chorus, bridge chorus out, but it's just how I wanna hear music. I yeah. want it to lead me. somewhere that I didn't expect to go but sometimes it's good to take where I am and let it grow and figure out where can one thing go
0: how far can I take one one thing Uh, another one of your solo piano ones that I really liked is resolution and at first I was thinking oh maybe that's a musical joke having the title be resolution
2: um because i
0: there's like some certain like ends of your phrases that have very interesting end notes and then they end up resolving like at the beginning of the next phrase or something like that
1: About a girl, that's about a girl, oh. <laughs> girl in girl my dreams. And uh, I met her back in college, and she's this gorgeous redhead who was learning Russian, and she's from Nebraska, and her name was Jocelyn. And like, it was one of those people you meet in your life, and she was only there for a couple weeks, but it was just just mind blowing. Like she was just, just gorgeous. And we only dated a little short time. And then she left school, you know, and uh, we didn't get, really get to say goodbye. But then years later, we got back in touch and we got to talk and just catch up and, you know, and have a good time, you know. And, and, uh, and not that it wasn't a good time before, but it was just, you know, well, you're, again, you're teenagers, <laughs> you're young, you know, and, you know, her circumstances took, decided, you know, she just, you know, she, you know, the college wasn't for her. She wasn't getting what she needed, so she moved and, you know, found the right school for her, and which was fine, you know. But uh, so Resolution was the piece I wrote after we started talking again. And that was my gift to her, uh, to say I'm glad we were able to just catch up and and just feel at rest. ¶¶ just, you know, most beautiful woman I've ever seen, you know, and, uh, but smart too, you know, like I love women with great character. Like, like all my female friends are like strong character and, uh, and and they're all smarter than me and they all tell me exactly what's going on and what's up. Nobody lets me get away with anything. Um, you know, I, I love, I want strong women in this world, strong female figures. And she was, she was a wonderful person. So it was just a song for her. After we got back, to connect again, because hmm. she was great and she left quite an impression on me. Cool. So, yeah.
0: so I don't I don't know if you're familiar with the recent episodes of the podcast, but I always ask a question. Oh, yeah, yep. From the person in Before. the previous episode, yeah. So we got the question chain going. Oh yeah, yeah, Yep. Yeah. So I had to listen back because I it was a long time ago, but it's the end thing, of the season yeah. four. um, John Brantingham. Who's awesome. My God, I listened to that that
1: podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just cowering in the corner. That that guy <laughs> just, he really knows his stuff. Yeah. And, whoo. <laughs>
0: man. So, well, his question for you is, if you had to come up with an orchestration style that was earth-shattering, what five main instruments would you use? Well, sure. Because of his, like, melody, counter melody, pad,
1: percussion, um and uh at, like oh like uh effects type things yeah um so like what what five instruments yeah for an er- for uh for orchest- earth shattering orchestration earth shattering orchestration well gee let's throw on some Serdos and taikos man there's two right there that's earth shattering no um
0: I don't know earth oh those taiko drums yes yeah, those yeah. are great. Oh, what I wonder, mean. Sardos. Oh, they're just bigger drums. drums. <laughs> I mean, there are just so
1: many drums, yeah. uh, out there. And but God bless Baron McCreary for bringing those taikos out in Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah, that was my that is my favorite episode or favorite show of all time. And it's, uh, <laughs> because it's just and a lot of it has to do with his music. Yeah, and he he pulled up those taikos and did a great job. Um. Anyway, but man, Earth Shattering that could be interpreted in so many ways. Like if we take if we take it literally. It would have to be destruction. Like, how could you destroy five? Like one from one from each family. Like you'd have to take either a cello or a bass and find a way to just destroy it. it and would make the most
0: noise in creative ways. Yeah, <laughs> like like
1: what 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 wood would break better? Mm-hmm. You know, a bigger bass uh, or or a cello because it's a little smaller, and so you get some higher frequencies in there, and, and it might mm-hmm. and it might just crack differently. You know, so I'd, but I'd probably say a cello because a bass. No, nah, because because the cello is more romantic, and so it would be more destructive and emotionally ruined <laughs> to a lot of people because everybody just loved the cello so much. Mm-hmm. So you got to destroy that just to give the middle finger to <laughs> you know the you know uh, let's see as far as brass goes. Well then yeah, I mean you gotta yeah you gotta destroy the French horn. I mean it's because it's so ubiquitous, <laughs> you know. But how do you destroy a French horn? Those things are those things are tough. Yeah, I suppose. Man, I mean, do you do you stick that in some kind of You'd have probably, probably have to go T two on it, and you know, and go take it to a you know foundry and drop that sucker in. And
0: um, uh, uh, what wood chipper? What would happen if you put a French what, horn through a wood chipper? An industrial grade wood chipper, maybe. Yeah, you know, uh, that
1: that would. Be, <laughs> but we'd have to put something inside the French horns, like so. Like as it would started breaking, it would kinda, you know, kind of you know, just weird kind of you know. <laughs> Um, I'd say for woodwinds, I would, um, because I love it so much, I would demolish the, the snot out of an oboe (laughs) percussion. I would, um, you know, because it is piano, I, I would, you know, destroy a piano, but you know, every, every, you know, an area where everybody destroys a piano, that's not very unique. That's not really earth shattering. So, you know, I'd say crack out some taikos. Yeah. stick those on the pyre and burn (laughs) the snot out of them. And, uh, yeah, those are the four audible food groups. And the fifth one, you know, I don't know. Maybe set a choir to the stake. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> you know, just find some 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 beloved choir and all right, come on up here, like Game of Thrones season five. You're not you're not meant to be up here, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see what you sound like amidst the fury of fire. This is not wow. the way I'm sure well, Brandon him.
0: <laughs> I <don't, laughs> probably not probably not. But <laughs> on that note. Um, <laughs> <I know. laughs> now that we know what what your mind is aiming towards with that oh, burning man. choir, yeah. Um, I'm, what
1: I'm not <laughs> apologizing, but I but I'm just you know
0: I'll ask for forgiveness. just leave it up there. I'm not, not asking for forgiveness. Um, what's your question for my next guest? Oh man,
1: I guess it would it would um, run along with my documentary, you know that I'm doing for the blind. I would ask the next guest maybe um, is there a community of people or somebody you know with a disability that if there was a function that you could play for or it could be asked to play, play or do you know what, what would that function be what would that service be for you know MS would it be for somebody you know a cancer survivor would it be for somebody with uh, Parkinson's you know TBI traumatic brain injury or is there some something out there that they would commit a significant amount of time because they would believe in helping their fellow person, hmm. you know, um, with their music though. Like, yeah. is there, is there something? Cause you know, we're creators and composers that come on the show, but like, and I'm, you know, to try to try to nudge them to say, well, is there something I could do hmm. for a community? Is there some way that I can be involved that I could use my, particular set of skills mm, mm-hmm. you know to to help uh you know so mine is you know i have an association with site challenges so i want to reach out and maybe other composers can reach out and uh and use their gift to to help some people in their town or who
0: you know whoever that might be nice you know i like it so first social justice question For the next composer, yeah, I like it. (laughs)
1: Okay, cool, cool. Right on. Well, good. I hope I hope they're okay with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So now, the moment we've all been waiting for, (laughs) where you come sit at the piano and play us something. Wow. For an intro, potentially. Ooh. Goodness gracious! And I'll have you start by playing your favorite chord. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, an actual. All right, so we got a, yeah. I I am not used to this. I either work on an exercise ball or my like my keyboard. I have it an angle and I stand, hmm. um, because I don't like to sit so much. Because we sit so much for our work.
0: Yeah, you know. <laughs>
1: What is my favorite chord oh I used to have it I used to <laughs> that that just tells you what what kind of a so it's so kind of like an intro yeah no hell no hell no you ain't using that Hmm, this is actually good on-the-spot training. Hmm, yeah. Actually, you're challenging me right now.
0: Right, that's the idea.
1: (laughs) I'll use my favorite key, C sharp major. What's your
0: favorite key, man? Me? I don't know. You have one? E, maybe, like... Um probably I would do a mode if it was my favorite. Okay. Something like E. Phrygian. Hmm. I don't remember my theory. Um it's like starting from, from E to E mm-hmm. would be the scale on all white keys. Really? Yeah. Like- it's kind of like the. Sounds Egyptian almost or. Old. It. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just uh, off the top of your head, what you do?
1: I guess yeah. that's what you. Oh, what awesome. Fell, what fell out? So what
0: key was it? Oh, C sharp major. Oh, nice. I love
1: black keys, man.
0: Like there I, is, I suppose, like if you're not reading sharps and flats as much, it doesn't matter. It to, yeah. You know. Well, Steve, it's been great having you in to talk about your music and everything.
1: Well, thank you, Charlie. Yeah. It's uh, I I really. I'm really
0: thankful that uh, they asked me to do this. Yeah. And uh, for people who want to check out your music, what's your website? Uh, stephenletness.com
1: with dot P-H. Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-E-T-N-E-S.com. And again, um, I do want to say for my Blind Ambition Project, if there's anyone out there who uh, knows of somebody who is sight challenged, who's got a killer talent, but, you know, hasn't really found a way to express it or hasn't had a chance, uh, please email blindambitionproject
0: at gmail.com. Cool. Thank you, Charlie. All right. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Stephen Letness. And thanks again to Steve for being an awesome guy and sharing these fun stories and good advice. Our question of the week is... What was the moment you knew you wanted to become a composer? Chime in at forum.composerquest.com If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to email me, charlie at composerquest.com, or find ComposerQuest on Twitter or Facebook. I'll leave you now with a piece of music that Steve wrote for his mom and dad as a Christmas present in 2013.